I am so excited for this interview, and you are all in for a treat. My name is Renee Rebar. I am your hostess with the mostest, and I am loving this interview series. So tonight, I have an amazing woman who I've had the pleasure to get to know, not only in person, but also through the, the, the great world that we live on, on planet internet. When I first met her, I learned that she had graduated from Columbia School of Journalism, and of course, now we have the New York Bond, and then I learned that uh, she now it was from California, but I didn't hold it against her, and even though she lives in San Diego now, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Um, I still really like her. And, <laughs> that, <laughs> and not only has she been the editor at magazines like Gourmet Magazine, Martha Stewart, ESPN Online, these amazing background experiences. She's also um, got her feet wet, as she says, a little bit of a taste of the online space and what digital marketing in that world can be by working with some of those early guys that seeded Google, right? I mean, we can get into all this, but this is pretty, this is what she doesn't always mention. So I'm, I got inside scoop. I'm going to share it with you now. So I'm, I just want to kind of preface who we're about to hear here, that none of us are just one layer. We're not just one thing. And although um, Ms. Maggie Frank Shu will tell you that she is an email marketing strategist who loves to help specifically women business owners grow their business through new income streams, through email marketing, through connecting with their audiences in a way to help their audiences be moved to action with the written word, which she does so magically and so well. And I can say this from both sides of the fence. Um, she also has passions and, and, and interesting facets of her that make her so unique and special to work with. She just did a triathlon. What? Mm -hmm. not, not, yeah, not easy at all. She did say things like, sharks and wetsuit. And I'm like, you are <laughs> tough as nails. Um, so I'll just, of course, say that's from the New York side. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I just love teasing her. And I also just love the work that she does. But I brought her on this, this podcast this evening for a very specific reason. We wanted to talk about some of the, the observations that she has made and what that and what conversations haven't been had and maybe need to be had more about women working and women in the workplace and women entrepreneurs. So Maggie, without further ado, thank you for joining me this evening. Thank you. So All right. Much. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm diving right in here. So I, I hope, of course, we'll put, you know, the notes and links in the, in the show notes about how to find you and where to find you, because I know after hearing this, they're going to be anybody who's listening will think, wow. Um, but let's start, let's dive in. So Right from the beginning, our one phrase that I remember you saying that just hit me like a ton of bricks is why are women expected to have two jobs? If you're a mother and you work, why, why do people expect you to do two jobs as if you didn't have two? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. You want me to just riff on that? Uh, here I go. Here I go. Yeah. That's uh, so I wrote a post about that um, at like the end of last year. And that's pretty much, um, that's like a definitely, huh, I mean, let me, it's a facet of my business and it's something that I'm really driven by. I basically see what I see. So let me go at it two ways. The first way is what I see, um, and I'm talking specifically about moms, right? What I see with moms is that when you go from this transformation from um, a woman who has no children and a professional, um, and then you go to the other side, it's really just like, it's a binary, right? Then you become a person who has children 
and is a professional. Um, there's a sense, and I'm definitely not the first person to po- point this out, that um, in the workplace, nothing should have changed about you. Right. Uh, nothing nothing about your life that has changed is addressed in any way in the workplace. 100%. And at home, you have like a huge, like everything is different. <laughs> nothing is the same, right? Especially in the first year. Um, I have two little kids. One of them is almost five and the other one is almost two or, you know, he's more than one and a half and less than two. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm right in this, you know, I'm just kind of coming out the other side. And, um, and to me, like what happens, what I see mothers doing over and over and over, whether they own their own business or whether they work in a company or in quote unquote corporate is that they really feel so much personal responsibility and guilt. So they feel like they, it's their fault that they can't come to work and act exactly the same and feel exactly the same as they did before they had their first kid. And it's their fault that they can't be home and, and, you know, make a home cooked meal every night and want to like be one-on-one and really present with their child at all moments because they don't have that much time because they're doing, they have a work day. And so there's all this pressure at home as well as like, oh my God, I only have five to seven 30 and then they go to bed and I really have to be there and I better not turn on the TV and zone out and stuff like that. And so I, I mean, I'm really seeing that, that play out so much. Um, I don't know a woman right now, a mother uh, of young children who's not doing that to herself, who's not kind of having this inner conversation with herself. And I remember before I became a mom, um, people talked about like, especially like in the nineties, like before I even knew anything, like I wasn't even thinking about, you know, I was like in my twenties and stuff. Um, and people would talk about the mommy wars, you know, that there were, that there were like wars between mommies who perfect mommies and organic mommies and mm-hmm. hippie mommies and, you know, whatever, and professional go-getter, ambitious mommies. And actually that's, that's a whole bunch of made up bullshit um, that's meant to keep women disconnected from each other so that we can't experience our power really deeply. Mm-hmm. And what, um, is actually the war that I really see going on now as a mother is the war within each mommy Mm. Um, and this pain and this insecurity and this taking on and just taking it all on. Like it's her, like it's each of us, like it's our, our own individual fault. It has like society doesn't owe us anything, you know? um, And then we can really, I can get really political with this, but you can kind of tell where I'm going, which, you know, the state doesn't provide any subsidies, even though like, um, birth rate is going down in this country. Like there's no help. There's no help with childcare. There's no help. There's no maternity. We all know if you're a mother listening, there's no paid maternity leave mandated. There's nothing like that. Right. And so, but we're just supposed to come back after 12 weeks. If we're lucky, we get 12 weeks unpaid. If you get 12 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and it's all good. And if it's not all good, it's your problem. And yep. so, I mean, people are addressing this in so many different ways. There's like so much more understanding of, pe- of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And that, that's great. And, and then that's all other kinds of ways. That's really right, recent. right, right. It's recent. And it's also like still, it doesn't, there's, there's more, you need more support even beyond that first few months. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. And, and then, you know, so I could go on and on, but so that to me is what, um, I real that's really important to me. That's really like um, at the core of 
you know, my issue right now with like, um, with what I see in, it just really transcends for all working mothers that I see who have young kids. Um, and it really even transcends for stay at home moms because I see like, um, the decision-making process around being a stay-at-home mom. Now I can't speak to this too much because I'm not a stay-at-home mom, but you know, has to do with devalue. Sometimes I hear women devaluing themselves. So they'll say things like, well, I'd only make enough barely to cover childcare and gas anyway. Oh my gosh. That's all the time people say that. As though like if you're Uh in a partnership and you're looking at just your income being responsible for childcare, I don't understand that. But number two is like, there are a lot of other benefits. I mean, there are a lot of other factors in deciding whether or not to stay home. Do you want to? (laughs) Do you like it? You know, just other things besides, and women uh, are so um, automatic about not not paying attention to what they actually want, Mm -hmm. what actually feels good. And then you see a lot, I mean, there's a lot of great entrepreneurs who are addressing a lot, all the, but if we come at it from so many different angles, you know, we are so socialized and, and just brainwashed, frankly, into thinking about everybody else's um, needs and preferences coupled with everyone must like me. (laughs) I can't piss anybody (laughs) off. Nobody can dislike me. I, I can't yes. deal with it if someone just straight up doesn't like me. And so it's really paralyzing. Then you get to a place where you make decisions, um, you know, for, you know and, and it's really not what you want. And you think someday I'll get to a place where I can, you know, when they're older or whatever, waiting for a time when it's possible to include your own needs and wants. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I tried to do that for like about a year, <laughs> um, the fir- the first year that I was a mom and then I just gave up. It was just too hard. Um, and so, yeah. So ask me your next question. Cause I can tell you <laughs> about like my, my personal journey. Right. And this is a personal journey, but it's also yeah. an observation. Like it's yeah. you as coming, like using your journalistic heart and I for uh, observation, the questions that you've been asking above and beyond the official work that you do in terms of your livelihood, um, it is brought up a very raw and very real conversation that is just not had enough. We, you and I, we live in a very aware bubble. I think of women are aware of this. So if we work and we talk with our colleagues, um, they're like, yes, I totally get that. And yes, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And yes. And so they're in on it. But I think that universally like if I when I go out and I speak with my local friends other moms they're not all even if they're aware of it and say yes to it they're not outwardly expressing that oh yeah they're definitely not let's talk about it over here but not over there Mm. (laughs) kind of conversation that's interesting it is interesting and so when I think about you and then the work that you do because of this passion and journey that you've had that just fuels the passion that you have for the work that you do. So for, so let's talk about the women that you've been, that been supporting uh, in a professional standpoint. So let's talk about who that person is. This is a woman who for many reasons has chosen to try to balance work and motherhood. Mm-hmm. She's gifted. She's talented. She has expertise. She's professional. She started a business with nothing. Usually these are zero startups. They didn't start with funding. They didn't go in for a business loan. They started it with pin money. And 
thank you planet internet for allowing that to be possible. Yeah. Right? Social media, social collateral. We were able to leverage posting and our ability to take some nice pictures, maybe with our iPhone, maybe with our DSLR, maybe it was us making cupcakes for the kids, the organic cupcakes, of course, with no yeah. red food day. <laughs> maybe with some kelp. I don't know. Because we feel like it's necessary. God forbid we give them anything else, right? There's, that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And what's happened is people started following them. And they said, well, I can, I can give you the recipe and I can sell you the template for this. And they started getting a following. And now they're at the point where, as a professional, they're making more than their partner. Yeah. But they're still taking full-time care of the children. They still don't have any house help. There's no one coming in and doing the dishes. They do it. There's no one else doing the laundry. They do it. There's no one else driving the kids around. They do it. And they're the breadwinner. And so this is where you find that perfect synergy with women like that because you can come in and support their business to help create other streams of income to support whatever they want to do with the rest of the time that they have. Right. That's somewhat, I mean, that's, that's, so I think that the one thing I would, I, so, you know, earlier on, I was working with a lot of women who didn't have any childcare or really limited like 10 hours a week. Um, and they would hit, they really hit a wall. Like, so women, I mean, the best, you know, the person who's going to get the most out of working with me, their best bet is to really have full-time childcare. Um, but I'm not, it's not, I mean, you know, I do email marketing, so I can't tell them what to do. But I think my, the overarching umbrella of everything I'm kind of saying is, you know, give yourself permission. Right. So if you thought at a, at a certain and also allow it's a, it's safe for you to grow and change. That's my mantra. It's safe for me uh-huh. to grow and change. Because if you started out with the business and you had limited child care and that was working and now you've grown out of that, that's okay. And you can decide you want more childcare. You can decide you want, you know, full-time childcare or, you know, years can pass and the kids are going to end up in school anyway. So, um, or you can change your mind that you were going to homeschool them and now you actually don't want to do that anymore. It's okay to change your mind, you know? So, um, I want to say that one more time. It's okay to grow and change your mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's okay to grow and change your mind. And that is one thing that many women do not have support in. They mm-hmm. feel like I made the decision to stay home, even though I have this million dollar business now, or even though I am making six figures selling cupcake, you know, recipe, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I still have, I'm standing by my commitment. I committed to staying home and being the full-time mom. So that is, yes, that is where we met in our journey of your work together about a year ago. Since yeah. then, a lot has happened. Yeah. Not only have you helped these women grow because you've seen them flourish, but now other women are coming to you saying, hey, I have this. I've already passed that point. I have full-time child care. I'm full-time in my business. Right. I even have a, you know, a, a few team members. Now, how do we really move the needle forward? And right. then again, you step in and you say, well, this is how. And so with your strategy and your ability to write and teach them how to write, you've been able to work with some pretty big names. And we will just, we'll leave it at that. Oh, <laughs> and at the same time, You've had other women that are coming in that are new, whether they, whether they have bought into the decision that they're able to have a team and a staff or help or whether they haven't, now they're able to work with you in a group environment, which didn't exist just a few months ago. That's so this true. is exciting. Thank you. What you call the sweet spot. Yes, that's yeah. true. So um, tell me why you named it the sweet spot. Tell us about this program. For a minute. Sure. Um, so I've named it the sweet spot because I see um, 
So I work with women who have, who are, I would consider online entrepreneurs. Some of them um, are service-based businesses. So they offer a service. Some of them sell a product, you know, like a, a course or even like a physical product. It doesn't matter. In all those realms, I see people approaching email in two ways. Way number one is, uh, oh, my email list. <laughs> and they'll write an email to them. And then they won't do it for a while. And then they will again. And then they won't. And then for some of them, they'll throw a super sale because it's Black Friday. And so they'll send five emails in three days. And then they'll, you know, and they'll do that three times a year. And that's kind of what they do with their email list. And then they kind of wonder why their email list seems really unengaged. Their open rate is really low. Um, People mark them as spam even sometimes. Um, So that's way number one. Way number two that I see people approach email is um, there's a perfect template out there and I just need to pay someone, you know, and I'll pay a lot. I'll pay whatever it takes because once I get this perfect template and play Mad Libs and just take out their, you know, Acme Inc. company and put in my company's name and my company's product and my company's price, then I'll sell a million of them and it'll pay for itself. And so they've done that a couple of times in a couple of different ways. They've bought that from people who are willing to sell that to them and it also doesn't work. Um, and so, and then they, then they go there, those people go, email doesn't work. Email's over. Email's dead. Email has been around for 20 years. And so therefore the, the internet moves way too fast and 20 years is too. And so it's old and it's done. Um, and that's obviously why this didn't work. And so, so I call it the sweet spot because it's, I get, you know, I say it's the sweet spot between those two extremes, but it's really actually a third way, um, which is, you know, all the people you described when you so, you know, generously were talking about how great I am and thank you so much for saying that, were are people who've hit like a, a blo- like a, I want to call it a, either a plateau or just they're, they feel kind of like they can't move, they can't go to the next level. Mm-hmm. and they are right. <laughs> they're stuck <laughs> at the level that they're at right. because to go to the next level, they need a customized solution around email, but they can't, they don't necessarily, well, there's a couple things. Either they can't afford it or, you know, what, you know, anyone, you can afford it, right? Um, but they're not prioritizing spending, you know, $30,000 on something like that. Right. And so, and the other thing too is sometimes, cause I work with a lot of solopreneurs or, and I started out, you know, I didn't start out, but a couple of years ago I was working with bloggers. They like to write and they want right. to be in the driver's seat on this, you know? Yes. Um, and it's great. And it's a great thing to do because if you're in the driver's seat and you kind of start the, this is what the program's all about. You kind of start the, the whole email, you know, creating your own custom system, um, which we do in sort of like a, it's a do it yourself, but you follow my guidelines and you have access to me. You get six months of that. And then you can you do get to a certain point where you're selling through email. So you are making some money and you know, it's like what you say about sales, you know, what works, you know, you know, what kind of email, you know, what your messaging is, you've worked on it with the email, you know, with the practice of writing the emails, you're in such a better position to hand that off to a copywriter at that point than to hire a copywriter when you don't know any of that stuff. And you're just like, fix it for me. They won't be able to, 
And then you'll be like, they sucked. They were a bad copywriter. They weren't. They, at all um, consultants work better when you know exactly what you want. Yes. And the sweet spot, really, the program mm-hmm. allows you to, develop, to, un- to know all that, to understand all that. So, and then you can continue doing it on your own. Or you can say, I'm at, I have like gone to the next level and I see it in my revenue and now I want to spend I want to spend that money to really let someone else take this over. And it's almost like you create a little department in your business, you know, the email marketing department, and then you can hire somebody and all that. But you really can't until, I mean, you can, it just won't go that well. <laughs> you can, it just won't, it won't work that well. So yeah, that's, that's my, that's what the sweet spot is. The sweet spot is it's for people who are going to end up, you know, they can be at any point, I mean, not any point, but they are at a certain level in their business where they can afford to invest, but they're going to make money at the, by the end of that. And then they're going to either, you know, spend that money on really scaling it, quote unquote, or they're going to keep going themselves and go on like a slower, you know, upslope, you know, to, uh, up into the right or whatever. So <laughs> up into the right. Right. Now I love that you still focus on offering this to moms. In fact, yeah. one of the components of the sweet spot program is you have us, uh, the mom cave. Tell mom us cave. That. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the program well, is for moms who are online business owners. So, or online entrepreneurs, or I should pick, I should pick a noun, but, um, <laughs> uh, they find their clients online. Um, I mean, that's at least that's like one of the ways, if not the only way. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's for moms. I feel like it's for moms. <laughs> um, and so, and the reason it's for moms is because a lot of times, um, because I understand the, these upper limit problems or these like issues where you hit a plateau and you can't go any farther, you can't get to the next level. And a lot of it has to do with giving yourself permission mm-hmm. Um and, uh, I need, you know, and kind of seeing yourself as, uh, seeing yourself as someone who deserves to go to that next level. And so a lot of it's tangled up in the stories you're telling yourself as a mom, yes. um, that you can't, and all the things I said at the beginning, you can't put your, what do you actually want? What actually brings you pleasure? Um, what, and all the guilt, I would say that number, the big thing I address and that other entrepreneurs who are not moms don't share this even, I mean, I'll talk about, I mean, I'm just going to leave the whole dad's thing aside because then I'll really rant, but I don't think dads experience this the way that moms do is guilt. So if I'm, they, moms really feel this zero sum game. If I'm in this place, then I cannot be in that place. And I mean, I'd love to hear more. I mean, I bet you feel it Renee because um, all moms feel that, you know, if I'm in this place, I cannot be in that place. If I, if I love my working in my business, I should feel guilty because I'm really not thinking about my kids right then. Um, just stuff like that. That's really crazy, you know. And also, another thing I see around guilt is like the thing I said earlier too is everything should be like it was before I had kids. And if it's not, then I'm failing. And so I just wrote a post today about the analogy that I use is like around baby weight or whatever. Is like that all of us are supposed to have this goal that we're going to look exactly the same as we did before the first, we had the first kid. And I think like, it's great. It's so crazy and irrational when you think about it, because I had, I had my first five years ago. I have two total. I'm also, I'm five years older. It's not just that I've had two kids in five years. It's not just that, 
you know, so I've been pregnant two years out of five years. Like it's not just that, uh, but I'm also, I'm older. And again, going back to the mantra, it is safe for me to grow and change. Like it's, everyone is telling us we have these like unique pressures that it is not safe for us to grow and change. We should look like we looked when we were 18. We should weigh what we weighed when we were 18. And, um, and I just, I just like, I, I think that that goes really unexamined. Like you said, with like your friends, like it, like people, people, mothers take that on and they go like, yeah, you know, so I'll try this other diet and then that'll work. And so this is, st- I'm still in the analogy, right? So I'm taught, like, if we bring this back to the business, it's like the same thing you see it in business. It's like, okay, everything's different. And maybe like this, you know, it applies to women who started their business after they had kids as well as ones who had a business and then had kids. But they're, they're always kind of like feeling like a failure because the stuff has changed. And like, they're like, I can't do it the way I was doing it before anymore. I just can't. And they, they feel like a failure as a result. They don't feel like I've grown and changed. I need to like do something new. Um, okay. Right. Yeah. So that's how it all kind of, I I think you speak to two sides because because of your personal experience and most importantly, the work you've done there. So knowing you personally, Maggie, and working with you, I know that you work at overcoming that guilt. Mm -hmm. Not that you want to believe it. It's that it's happening. So you're identifying that it's happening. You're calling it by name and therefore shining the light on it and therefore allowing a conversation to be had about it in a unique environment, as you call the mom cave, mm-hmm. inside of this email marketing, how to write and how to connect with people that you want to connect with through business that you either want to sell to or nurture or have a conversation with. So while writing, You've, you've, you've created this very tactical experience where I will get an email sequence that will help move somebody from knowing me from a click on a post to now knowing my business and how we might be able to work together. That is very tactical. However, you're not stopping there. You're saying I address and understand that there's an emotional side here. And then lastly, you're opening this, this, this container to have the conversations about it, not just preach about it and talk about it, it's a two-way street. And in fact, it's more of more of that. It's a mom cave. So it's a communal experience, mm-hmm. which is what we crave. We yeah. crave that. And you said it before, we've been shut down. That whole mom wars thing was a lie because yeah. it was meant to, you know, obviously keep us out of each Inside other's ears. Absolutely. <laughs> because when we unite and connect over motherhood, there is a lot of power there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's so much power in it. And the other thing that I've come to realize even in creating the program is that, that I like about my program and I think makes it different is that I don't think you, it's not binary. Unlike having a kid, you either have one or you don't. I don't (laughs) think that you go like you, like you just finish. You never have these negative thoughts again. You never have guilt again and then you're cured and it's the problem is solved. And that's kind of sacrilegious because as a marketer, I, you know, I think about what is somebody's problem and how will I solve it? And that's how I talk about what I sell. But I guess like, I'm not, I'm not promising because I don't think it would, it's real or healthy. Like I'm not promising like, again, and I'll stick with the analogy that you'll never say to yourself, Oh, I'm fat. I should lose weight. You know, I'm just promising that 
you will allow yourself to be a person who thinks that sometimes and you'll still love your body. You know, you'll still, you'll still give yourself permission to be in the body you're in. So like with business, you know, like you might be in place where you'll be like, I mean, it happened to me on Sunday when I did the triathlon. Like I, I got childcare for that whole day because I knew even though the race was going to end at 10, I knew that like I wasn't going to want to be with my kids right away because I was going to be physically and mentally depleted. And then I felt really guilty about it. I was like, oh, I should be with them. Like it's the weekend. So like I am not speaking to, speaking to you from the other side of all that and being like, oh, I'm all done with that. I don't, I don't have guilt anymore. I don't, um, I don't feel the pressure and I, I'm so much more enlightened than the rest of you. And, and that's what, so in terms of like connecting that to email, like what we do in the sweet spot is we write, so email is a practice. Like I actually recommend that you write an email to your list every single week instead of waiting for inspiration to strike you or waiting until you need something from them. Because right. that <laughs> practice of doing it every week, whether and putting yourself on deadline, which is something that comes from my journalism background, right? Yeah. You had to turn something in when it was due, whether it was done or not, is because that allows you to kind of see like you don't have to show up perfect every single time. You don't have to you can, an email can just be like a place where you kind of share some stuff with them. You kind of tell them some stuff and that develops a relationship with them that is connected to your bottom line because they really get to know you. You have a voice, you have a point of view. It's different from other people who do what you do and they get to learn over time what that is. Even if they don't open every single email, people will unsubscribe who don't like you and then you don't have to worry about them. And <laughs> you only have to like the people who are, who are getting, who are getting drawn in, they're coming closer and closer. And then if you, then I, I do suggest, of course, that you actually make an offer, you know, that you don't just hope that they'll contact you or something, (laughs) but the, the email practice, the weekly practice, I think, um, is like a reflection of what I was saying is like, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to wait until some moment that's never coming. Like you just, if you share every week, you share consistently, it, it opens, it just opens up a lot of opportunities that just, you don't, you won't know what they are. You don't know what they are if you don't share consistently. So you're, I mean, I really want to say like the way I see this is writing as a cathartic tool to help us do many things. Number one, I'm committing to something regularly. So whenever I commit to anything regularly, I am going to get a long-term benefit out of it. In your case, you can guide us based on your expert experience in journalism and writing and editing and, and moving people to action via the written word, which we knew was the thing. I can look at that and look at it as just great for business. However, when I work inside of that container, it does not only do things that are great for my business, for connecting to people and bringing them down a journey toward a clear offer, but it also is it is cathartic to help me understand what I am doing and how I am growing and evolving. Yeah. And it's okay to grow and change. And the writing is helping me do that. So it's the writing is at the core of it and it helps in business because it helps identify who you're talking to and get them to the place you want them to go and do the things and make the money. However, it also helps because it, it answers this other unspoken thing that we haven't had enough conversations about, which is 
whatever's happening in mom life. I'm a mom. I feel guilty. I did a triathlon. I feel guilty. I'm working. I love it. I feel guilty. <laughs> I didn't cook dinner tonight. I feel guilty. Yeah. I let my husband do the dishes. Now I feel guilty. Why? I don't know why. I just don't, I just know that I do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not something that ever has to feel like you're done. That, saying that out loud, it, it, it's so important. I just said the same thing. So we're so in tune, Maggie. You and I, I swear we live parallel. Even though we're thousands. I mean, listening to you say that, wait, I want to let you finish your thought, but then I have a thought. Go ahead. Is that the devil inside, that devil of doubt, he's never going to leave. Chronic. He's in there. He, I say he, it, doubt. That doubt is what that creates, that guilt, that uncertainty, that that will make us stop something because we feel like, oh, it's not perfect. So that's our doubt, guilt. So it's not a, it's like living with a chronic disease. It's like living with Crohn's. <laughs> yes, it is. You learn to live with it. You know, if somebody chronic has migraines, then they go avoid dark chocolate and red wine. Otherwise, yeah. for a migraine city. Mm-hmm. Right? So like, if I do certain things, I know that I can set it up. Then when it happens, I'm like, aha, I see you. That's okay. I'm allowed to grow and change. You're today and not forever. Right. So by your tool is writing and that tool helps on both sides, the emotional side and the business strategic tactical side, mm-hmm. which is so vital. I think in so many women's lives and they just don't have us, they don't have a space for it. They don't know how to do it. And when they do it all by themselves, they're like, they're all good that we get all in our head about it. So having this mom cave, having this environment, this container for the sweet spot is a beautiful environment for that. And I, I just, why I wanted to talk about it because I think it also goes in line with what that first question was with, you know, the situation of women today in the workforce and how we have a baby. We believe that nothing should change professionally for us, even though everything has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes. I mean, I, okay. One little thing and then one big or one smaller uh, thing about like the tactics of the weekly writing practice. The the thing I love about the weekly writing practice also is it takes the pressure off any individual email because you're not trying to make an email do something for you. It's just like, it's, it's Wednesday. That's my, for me, it's Wednesday. I'm doing this because as soon as you're going, as soon as you're doing something in any aspect of your business where you're like, this has to work or I'm a failure. um, It's not fun (laughs) It's, pull that out. This has to work or I'm a failure. Yeah. That is it's not fun anymore. It's not, it's not, and it's going to, it's going to be, I mean, if you, yeah, I just see so many people have that all or nothing mentality about so many things. Again, I love weight loss as an analogy because it's so concrete. It's like, I either have, you know, I have to lose 30 pounds or I'm a failure. It's like, well, what if you just like, what if you just added a salad every week and, or switched out, you know, one salad instead of it, you know, your normal dinner and like, three walks a week and in three months, see if you lose any weight, if you want to even lose weight, you know what I mean? And like, why, why is it so important to lose 30 pounds in three months? But I see women all the time with that. It's like, it's not just that they have a goal to lose weight. It's that it has to happen at this, you know, at this point. And then it doesn't like 99 times out of hundred doesn't. And then they're, they are, and then all that does is sets you up for, feeling so bad about yourself. That's all it does. And the reason I talk about this so passionately is because I do it all the time. Like I am constantly getting into a situation where it's like the thing I brought up earlier too, about like, you know, there are like days, you know, there are kind of like times in my life, not just like one day here or there, but like several days in a row where I don't want to be with my kids in the evening. Like I am with them. I'll take care of them. I will attend to their needs, but I don't want to do that thing where I like, oh, I really need to connect with them right now. And so I will flip on the TV and like zone them out or like let them zone out. And so, you know, and I used to feel so guilty about that, but like I see overall 
as a mom, like anyone who spends, a few, you know, like some time with me, that like they are so grounded and secure in our relationship. Like the, mm-hmm. like a couple of days, three days, or, you know, here and there where like, I'm just really distracted and I don't have a hundred percent for them isn't going to, isn't going to change that. But I, the first two years when I, I mean, when I just had my one, I think having a second, really, you're just like, okay, fuck, I'm outnumbered. But when you have one, <laughs> you're, I mean, I would do, I would really be like, oh my God, I yelled at him. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to have to go to therapy, you know, maybe they will go to therapy and maybe there's nothing wrong with that, you know, but I think exactly. like there's this overall thing about sort of like, it's like, what are you doing overall versus like each it, it, judging in each individual? Okay. I went way off to the side here, but <laughs> I think that that all that stuff. Yeah. All that to say is that the weekly writing practice is, it's kind of the same thing instead of going like, is this one email? Cause of course some of them are not going to be that good. Like some of them aren't going to be that good. And so that allow that just like takes the whole fear away of like showing yourself to the world and it might not be that good. Yeah, no, it's not going to be that good sometimes. Even like, no, there's no writer who hasn't written a bunch of mediocre shit. Right. It's just that like, you know, the, the, the ones that have written some great stuff, they're only remember for their great stuff, but they've published, like published authors have published whole books that suck, you know, and like that just weren't that good. And so, and they, they survived and their reputation survived. So that's something that you have to remember. The other thing I want to say, if I can just keep rolling with the bigger picture about moms and work is that, yeah, I mean, I have like some big ambitions. I can't do it alone, but I think there's a community of moms who are both working nine to fives in companies and are entrepreneurs who are all kind of going like this work like schedule, this is created for a a single man (laughs) or a 1950s man who didn't have any duties at home. And like, it doesn't work for a lot of people. Like it doesn't work for us who have small children. It doesn't work for certainly. And, and it doesn't work for dads who are increasingly becoming involved in the, in, you know, having home duties as well. Um, hopefully (laughs) they're increasingly, I mean, I mean, you know, depending on, but you know, 50, 50, or, you know, they do a little less or you do a little, but whatever. And everybody's kind of, you know, nobody kind of fits this mold anymore. Plus then you have like lots and lots of people of all ages whose parents are aging or who are caregivers for other, you know, for other relatives, not just for kids. And like, so I think like in terms of impact and like, you know, um, recognizing this problem, it's, it's, I mean, it is really like, it couldn't be bigger. I mean, it's like, this is like epidemic, like climate change level to me, it's climate change in this issue of like, climate's not changing. I don't know what you're talking about. I was just really, because this is like, like crazy 90 degrees. I know. I mean, but this is this, the state of work. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I will just speak for America because I don't know worldwide, but like, it just doesn't, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not sustainable and it's really crushing people. And it's really, um, it's, you see it, the thing that I talked about earlier with like you, women are taking on all this personal responsibility. Like it's my fault if this doesn't work for me, but you see, I mean, it's happening to so anyone who this system doesn't work for. And it's almost 
everybody except for single, I mean, even some single people when, as they get older too, but like, I'd say like young single people are, are like, cause I remember when I was in my twenties, I was like, you know, Oh, I don't get it. You know, but, <laughs> and I think, you know, that's part of the, anyway, whatever. So, but, uh, but yeah. And then like, I, th- I just think that it's a, it's a huge issue and, and something has to happen because we can't, we can't just grind people down because agreed because because yeah we can't just you're seeing it now i mean like there's a consolidation of wealth in this country it all has to do with there's just like not it's very like you know i protect what's mine is mine and very sort of like greedy and anyway i'm not going to get too anti-capitalist because i am an entrepreneur but uh (laughs) but yeah but there but but there has to be some middle ground you know Here's what, I, here's what I'm hearing you say. Like, and this is what I, what I really wanted to share with this message is, is by having a, a, a consistent weekly writing practice yes. as a business owner, you are only serving yourself and the others that need you're doing. It is for good. So yeah. do not feel it is serving your community. Whether you are, uh, whether you fix windshields for a living or whether you are, an artist or whether you are an author or whether you are a business coach or whether you create something else in the middle, whether you're a travel consultant, an energy worker, a doula, the people that are just, just, just that we know in our closest realm. Parent educator or yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Every single person in business can benefit their business and the people that they serve and want to serve by having a weekly writing practice. Most people don't know where to start. So they do try to get the, you know, Acme template and hope that that works. But what they're missing is writing from the heart and Mm -hmm. they're missing it because they feel if they don't do it right, it's going to be bad. And Mm -hmm. then they're missing it because they might feel like it's extra. And if I spent extra time, then I'm really missing out on my kids. Mm -hmm. And I really feel guilty now, even Mm -hmm. though writing isn't only going to help me benefit business wise, it's going to help me cathartically solve this problem that I'm trying to figure out in my head, but can't figure out because I work solo. (laughs) I work alone. I don't have an office mate to talk this out with throughout Mm -hmm. the day or as things come up. So that daily or specifically weekly writing practice is what you expertly guide people through both in a high level situation where they have a, a bigger business and they can hire you personally to go through that or this now new ish group program. I mean, it didn't exist six months ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's so important from a social standpoint as a business, as a woman who's a mother, who is a business owner, entrepreneur, who wants to communicate with her clients, potential clients, and also with herself to allow that permission to, uh, to say, I can grow and change. Mm. And that is what I see you bringing it all together. And that is what I wanted someone to hear tonight, because like you were saying, I can't speak to everyone, but I can speak for myself. This podcast, I see the, the data, people are listening to it in, in parts of the world I've never been. Hmm. So I really want to end with this. And it's, it's the, and I want to take this to heart who's listening and also whether you're in business or, and trying something new or whether it's, it's just for us tonight is I think of the analogy with the starfish, right? The little boy on the beach after a storm and all the starfish have washed up on the shore and the sun's coming out and it's starting to really get hot out. And the little boy is down on the beach and he's throwing the starfish back into the ocean one at a time. He's just a little kid. And this old man comes up and says, boy, what you worrying about? You're not gonna be able to save all those starfish. What does it even matter? And the boy is like, he holds up his starfish and he's like, it matters to this one. And he throws it into the ocean. 
And so even if you think you're right, you're, if I'm speaking to the people that might find a weekly writing practice as cathartic as I have, um, even if you think no one's listening, mm. even if you think that no one cares, even if you think it's horrible, mediocre, or worse, there is someone out there that's going to go, oh, finally, someone who gets it. And they're going to read that email and it will change them for the better. And yes, maybe they also might become a customer, but that's not the only reason you're doing it mm. because it has such a, a long-term benefit by this practice. So who better to guide them than someone who's been there and done that. And that's why I love your program so much. So mm. I wanted to have you on and share your passion and your story and bring it back down to how they can get started. So Good. I hope I did that. Thank you, Renee. I love the way you synthesize everything like that. That's awesome. (laughs) It's great. Thank you. (laughs) So yeah, I'm so glad that you've been willing to share. I know that you have passions. There's so many more conversations. I took some notes about more conversations I'd want to have about more topics that just aren't spoken about enough. Mm. Um, So thank you, Maggie, for sharing your soul and your heart and your passions and your business with us tonight. Um, I will put it in the show notes about where to best find you. And I'm sure that you even have, I know you have some free gifts that you give away when people join your email list and they can hear and see your words on a weekly basis. And I truly enjoy getting your emails every week. Awesome. Yes, I will definitely, I'll provide a link for that for sure. Thank you. And thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate you. Have a great night. Thank you.